pray and let's get to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that this life isn't it. We thank you that we have a confidence and assurance that if we love you, if we have put our faith in you, that there is so much more planned for us. So God, just open our ears and our hearts today to hear exactly what it is that you want to say to us about this topic, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. During the course of the pandemic, there was a chapter in the Bible that kind of became a bit of a lifeline to me, an anchor that I would hold onto. I'd known the chapter since I was young, but I, it became something that I really clung to, and that is Psalm chapter 23, the most famous chapter in the whole Bible. And there were some nights after I'd made the mistake of watching the news or heard what was happening with regards to COVID and we didn't know this and this might happen and, and all the scare tactics that were going on around everything that was happening. There were some nights I would lie in bed and I'd be like, what on earth is going on? And it was those nights that I clung to the promises that we find in Psalm 23. And actually, it was at that time I started a practice that I still continue. In fact, I did it last night. On nights where I can't sleep, instead of counting sheep, I remind myself about the shepherd, what he has done for me, what he will continue to do for me, the promises that are found in that chapter of Psalm 23. But here's the amazing thing that I find about Psalm 23. David here, the psalmist, lists all these incredible promises about the goodness of God. And he goes through them verse by verse, line by line. I'm going to have everything I need. God is going to provide me with rest. He's going to protect me. Even though I go through the toughest things in life, like the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be with me. And David lists all of these things for five and a half verses. And then right at the end, the second part of verse six, almost a bit of a throwaway, and he says, oh, and by the way, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Talk about burying the lead, right? I mean, he gives us all these amazing things that are going to happen, but actually, he kind of hides the most incredible of all of them. Because here's the thing. When I look at this life I am living right now, in terms of eternity, it's a blip. It's just a little, that's it, it's gone. Poof, it's over. In terms of the length that I have, this is just something small. And so it is incredible to me that God makes sure, even in this short span, that I am taken care of, and he shows his goodness to me, but that's going to continue. It's kind of like if you ever watch The Price is Right. I only once in a while, because usually I'm at work. But what, right, you, they get to the end and they have the showcase of incredible gifts at the end. So it's kind of like, you know what? We're gonna give you a month's vacation at the most exclusive resort in the world. And you're like, whoa. And then they say, you know what? You're gonna need some spending money. So you know what? Here's a black Amex. No spending limit. You don't have to pay it back. Have a good time. And then they go, you know what? 
you're going to be at the most exclusive resort in the world. Probably your Kohl's clothes may not fit in with everybody else there. So you know what? We're going to give you a shopping spree at Bergdorf. And you know what? You're not going to really want to put those clothes in the luggage that's rotting in the basement somewhere in your house. So you know what? Here's a full set of Louis Vuitton. And then they say, eh, you know what, though? By the time you get home, when you get back to your three-bedroom, two-bath house in Ridge, it's really going to be a bit of a letdown. So you know what? Here's biggest mansion in the Hamptons. It's yours. And it keeps going and going and going. And that's kind of like our life with God. He is good to us throughout this life, but it doesn't end here. In fact, this is just be the beginning. This life is what we have, and then we say, and then what? And then what? And so today I want to talk about heaven. Now, let me make this proviso. We could spend months talking about heaven and not get to the bottom of everything that is in here, okay? I got 30 minutes. So there is a very good chance at the end of this morning, you're going to say, yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about? All right, I'm going to give you homework. Don't at me, okay? Here's what I want you to do. See, for those of us who have bought houses in our lives, we've done a lot of research. School district, traffic, taxes. You aren't going to spend the rest of your life in heaven. So I'm going to encourage you this week, do some research. Dive into what the Bible has to say. Find some good, reliable sources and see what it has to say about heaven. See, the problem for most of us is that we get our thoughts on what heaven is going to be like from Hollywood. In which case, we're all going to be wearing white. You're going to get wings. I'm going to cover that one in a two-second sentence for you. We are not going to be angels. You're not going to have wings, okay? We'll move on from that one, okay? We're going to walk around somewhere where there is fog up to our knees. <laughs> and then we are going to spend our lives sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Does that sound like heaven to anybody? Because it does not to me, that's for sure, right? But that's the... The thought, when we think about heaven, that's often what we think about. And today I want to cover three questions with regards to heaven. What is heaven? How is heaven different from earth? And what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday in Foundations, we will look at more stuff with regards to heaven. So if this whets your appetite, I encourage you to be a part of one of those groups. So what is heaven? Heaven is a physical place, not a state of mind. It's not another plane. It's not a nirvana. It's not a dream. It is a real physical place. In John's gospel, we find Jesus talking to the disciples. And in John 14, he says this. He said, there are many rooms in my father's house. Father's house is one of the many ways that heaven is described in the Bible. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Then I will take you with me so that you can be where I am. 
It's a physical place. If it were not so, Jesus is telling lies when he said this sentence to the disciples. Each of us has a condo waiting for us in heaven. A true, real place is reserved for those who love God, who trust God, who have put their faith in God. You got a place waiting for you there. I love house hunters. I love watching those kind of shows where they go. And some of the things you see in these houses are absolutely incredible. One of my favorite shows like that is the one where they do the pools in the backyard. And these people have lazy rivers and whatever. You know what? The most amazing thing you have seen in a house here on planet Earth, you got it beat waiting for you up in heaven. You are going to have a place way better for that. And it's a true place because God wants to spend eternity with you. So heaven is a physical place. Heaven also is a permanent place. It is a place that is going to last forever. It's going nowhere. It will never be destroyed. It will never rot. It will never be bulldozed. It will never be replaced due to eminent domain or whatever it is. Heaven is there to stay. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says this. We know that our body... The tent we live in here on earth. It's the only camping that I'm, that I'm okay with right about now. It's, uh, yeah, this tent is, that's it. We'll be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a home for us to live in. It will not be the kind of home people build here. It will be a home in heaven that will continue forever. Going nowhere. Heaven is there to stay. Ephesians 1.10, this was his purpose. That when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ forever. There's that word again. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a permanent place. Millions of people are already there. Millions more are waiting to join them. That's what it is. The third thing about heaven is this. Heaven is reserved for God's family. This can be where things start to get a little uncomfortable. And I'm sure you've all heard the arguments. But if God's the God of love, why would he send people to hell? If heaven is so great, why wouldn't he want everybody to be there with him? Why is God okay with sending people to a lake of fire? Can I just say this? God isn't sending anybody to hell. Every person is given a choice. In fact, God wants as many as possible to spend eternity with him in heaven. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want to, anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to spend time with him in heaven. The choice is ours. If I decide that I don't want to follow God's ways while I'm here on earth, I don't want to trust him. I don't want to obey him. I don't want to love him. I don't want him to have him as my Lord, as my Savior. Then I'm deciding at that point, that I don't want to spend eternity with him either. I want to be separated from him for eternity. 
Why would I not want somebody to be a part of my life on this side of death, and yet on that side, I'm okay with it? Everyone is invited, but not everyone is willing to meet the conditions for entrance. And those conditions are repentance. And for most people, the thing that is holding them back on this earth is pride. They don't want to acknowledge who God is. They don't want to accept God's grace. They don't want to accept his forgiveness. They don't want to acknowledge that we can't get to heaven on our own power. We need a savior. We needed a savior. See, heaven is a perfect place. Not one of us is perfect. And so we needed a plan to allow us to get there. And that was God's plan of salvation that culminated in the death of his son, on a cross. Heaven actually isn't for everybody in some ways because if everybody could go there, we'd have all the same problems we have here. War, lust, rape, jealousy, backbiting. Wouldn't be any different than being here. So heaven is a real place. Heaven is a permanent place. And heaven is a place for God's family. And that will get uncomfortable at times. And I'm going to come back to that at the end because I don't want anybody to leave here today not knowing where you are going to spend eternity. So well, that is heaven. The next question is, how is heaven different from earth? I love summer. I love summers on Long Island. One of my favorite things to do in summer on Long Island is to sit on a beach as the sun sets and just watch the incredible spectacle and picture that God paints in the sky as the sun is going down. I think of some other amazing sights that I have seen throughout my life and been able to witness. I've seen the highlands of Scotland and how beautiful and green and luscious everything is there. I've seen the bluest sea in the Caribbean and wondered how does this even possible? I've seen some incredible architecture. I've seen the Eiffel Tower and looked at how amazing that will be. And some of you too have seen amazing things that have made you smile and go, wow, that is incredible. Nature, art, architecture, wildlife. But here's the incredible thing when you think about it. Every single thing that my eyes have witnessed to this point in my life, and it may have been the most incredible thing I will ever, ever see, I saw it in an imperfect world. God made it but it incurred here in this world that we live in. So now imagine what it's going to be like 
when you get to a place with zero imperfections. It kind of blows the mind. It is hard to think about because our brains have only seen and only understand what we have experienced to this point. In fact, in 1 Corinthians um, 2, verse 9, it says, But as the scriptures say, because this actually was back in Isaiah also, No one has ever seen. No one has ever heard. No one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The closest that we get is the last book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible was written by John, one of the disciples. And in his advancing age, as he got older, he was allowed a glimpse of heaven. But here's the thing that we have to remember. He could only frame what he saw based on his experience on earth. So for us to try and imagine what is happening and what it looks like is going to be very hard to do. So here's what I want to do. Today I want to talk about what's not going to be in heaven so that we know the difference between earth and heaven. Because he made a list of what's not going to be in heaven. Revelation 21 verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, all these things are gone forever. Can you imagine? You're never going to shed another tear. Unless you're watching a Hallmark movie. They've got to have those in heaven, right? I don't know. Wait, happy tears? We allowed those? But, right? but the things that hurt us, because we live in an imperfect world where people hurt people, where people do things that are wrong, where bodies rot, where bodies decay, where things don't always go the way they should. That's not going to happen in heaven. Therefore, there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. And we will never, ever, ever experience those things again. They're gone forever. Not coming back. That's it. He goes on in Revelation 21 to verse 22, and he says this, I did not see a temple in the city. The city did not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. The glory of God gave the city light. The lamb was the city's lamp. The city's gates will never close on any day because there is no night there. Nothing unclean will ever enter the city. No one who does shameful things or tells lies will ever enter the city. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter the city. And so we have a list here of things that are not going to be in heaven. There'll be no temple. God's everywhere. We're not going to need a special place to go and worship him. We can worship him everywhere. There'll be no locked gates. There's no crime in heaven. I lived in a town growing up in Scotland where nobody locked their doors. I can't wait to go back to that. Can't wait for that. I loved it. 
Your door was open all the time. We did not have a mailbox. The mailman just walked in and put your mail on the kitchen table. That was kind of how things went. People came and went from your house, dropping stuff off, picking stuff up. That was how it was. And we're going to go back to that when we get to heaven. There's no night in heaven. We don't need sleep in heaven because we won't get tired. Okay. I, 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 I see a slight issue with that, I will be honest. Where's my Sunday afternoon naps in heaven? That's what I want to know, right? But we won't need sleep because there will be, we won't get tired. And because it's lit up by God's glory, God's glory doesn't have an on and off switch, right? It shines all the time. Nothing unclean will be in heaven. Everything is pure. Air will be pure. The water will be pure. Man, we need pure air after what we lived through this week, right? Pure air, pure water, pure body, pure minds. Everything in heaven is going to be pure. No immorality, no shame, no lies. You can believe every single thing that someone tells you in heaven. Infomercials. You won't have to wonder, does it really work? If they say it, it works. We're in heaven, right? It's got to work. No lying here in heaven. And you know what? This is by no means an exhaustive list of what is not going to be in heaven. So again, I encourage you, take a deep dive this week. Google what's not going to be in heaven and see what you come up with. What's heaven going to be like? It's about as opposite from where we live as could possibly be, and that's a good thing. It's going to have all the good and none of the bad. It's going to be a place of perfection where we will spend our days living for God. It's going to be incredible. Thirdly, what will we do in heaven? We're pretty much going to do a lot of the stuff that we do here. Now, here's the thing that when I was reading this this week that I was thinking about. If there are a lot of things that I just said aren't going to be in heaven... Some of you are going to need new professions when you get there. If there is no crime, police and attorneys, you better start training for something new, right? If there is no sickness, there will be no nurses, there will be no doctors, okay? If heaven is lit by God's glory, I got to think he's good at keeping the temperature where everybody is happy. Good luck, right? So we're not going to need HVAC mechanics or whatever. I got to think that cars aren't going to break down in heaven because there's no bad words in heaven, and that's often when that happens, right? So when we get to heaven, we're not going to need mechanics. Now, just in case you think right about now, I'm kind of rubbing it in that you're going to be unemployed when you get to heaven, there's going to be no sinners in heaven, so us preachers are out of a job too, right? So... There's a lot of us going to be finding some things that we need to do in heaven, but that's okay. God's got it all planned. One of the biggest things that we see when somebody dies, and you see it on gravestones or on cards or people write it, we write R.I.P., rest in peace. We would lose our minds if we rested for the eternity. Can you imagine having nothing to do forever. I'm good for about a day of it. Maybe not. My husband's going to kill me, right? But after that, I think I would need to find something to do. 
And so we're going to be doing a lot of the things that we do here on earth. There are, however, two things that we do here on earth that we won't be doing when we get to heaven. Number one is sin. And number two is talk to unbelievers about God. Now, have you ever wondered why when you get saved, when you put your trust in God, God doesn't at that point beam you up and rescue you from a stressful world full of sadness, sickness, crime, bad things. Ever wonder why, you know what, God, why don't you just take me now? I got a perfect Christian record at that point, okay? I am zero for sinning if you take me right at this point, but he doesn't. So if there are only two things here on earth that you are doing that you are not going to be doing in heaven, it means he's left you here for a purpose. He did not leave you here to sin, which means he leaves us here to tell others about God. The only thing that you will take with you to heaven is other people. Your possessions aren't coming. Your cars, your house, your wardrobe, even your shoes and pocketbooks are not coming to heaven. And so today I want to encourage you with, so who's going to be there because of you? If that is our purpose in staying on this earth, who are we talking to and who are we helping? So what are we going to do there? Again, the list is long and I got short time, so I'll give you a couple. Number one is we will be re reunited with those who love Jesus. Our friends and our family who have gone before us, those who are Facebook friends with me saw this week, I put a post, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who actually I really admire for a lot of ways and then not in others, so I'm kind of torn on him, was asked this week about heaven, and he put out this quote. He said, heaven is a fantasy. We won't see each other again after we're gone. Pray for Arnold, really, because honestly, he's in for a big shock when he closes his eyes for the last time. But for those of us who love God, for those of us who know God, those of our loved ones who love God, who have gone before us, are waiting for us up in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it says this, And then there will be one huge family reunion with the Master. When I was younger, I didn't really think too much about heaven, to be honest. But now the older I get the more people I have loved are there waiting for me. And I think about the day that I will see my grandparents again. I think about the day I will see countless church family members again. And for all of us, we sit here today and there comes to mind people who are, who are there waiting for us. Family members, friends. I think of a friend of mine when I was 17, I went to university in, in Scotland and because I like to do things my own way, I went to a school where I knew absolutely not one single person there. It was my break for independence. And so I went there and I befriended and became friends with a girl there and we became inseparable. And I 
I'm a procrastinator by trade. That's what I do the best. I will put things off. So I pulled all-nighters before papers were due, tests, whatever it was. She spent every single night in the library. And sometimes she would despair and shake her head and say, you're not going to make it. You've got to get a better study ethic in place to make it through university. We were 17 years old, and eight weeks into our first trimester at university, Fiona developed an infection, and she died suddenly. And I cannot wait to get to heaven, because I want to say to her, I'd made it somehow. I still got my degree. Yes, I don't know how. But I can't wait to meet people like that. The next verse in Thessalonians follows on from there about the family reunion. It says, so reassure one another with these words. We need to encourage each other that when a loved one dies, if they loved the Lord, that's not the end. It's only the beginning. And then do you ever think about all the other people we're going to see when we get to heaven? I have, of course, grown up as a PK, a pastor's kid, my whole life. So, you know, I think about all of the different Bible characters that I have studied in here. And I think, wait, they're going to be up there. And I think, I was thinking this week, like, I wonder if it's going to be like, you know, like Comic-Con, where they have their own little booth, and like we all wait in line because we want to meet David. Or, you know, Daniel's over there, and Jonah's there, and Moses is there, and we all get, you know, we stand in line, and it's like, you know what, this line is way too long. Oh, that's okay, I'll come back in a thousand years, I'm still going to be here, right? I want to talk to Ruth, and I want to talk to Esther, and I, man, do I want to talk to Jesus' mom, and of course, you know, but it's amazing to think. We will be where these people are, and we're going to get to do that. So that's what we're going to be doing in heaven, is meeting up with loved ones or ones who have gone before, and we just want to know a little bit more of their story. The other thing that we'll be doing when we get to heaven is we're going to be given work that we enjoy doing. How do we know this? We are not going to sit around for eternity because God made us, and he knows what we are good, for, good at. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, this life we are living right now is a test to see what he can trust us with when we get to heaven. I don't expect you guys to remember, but three weeks ago, I shared a message on I am faithful. And in that message, I talked about the parable of the rich man. Right? And he gave talents to his servants because he was going away. And two of them invested those and they doubled it. And then the third one didn't. And he just dug it in a hole and did nothing with what he had been given. And the two servants who doubled what, God, what the master had given him, of course it was a parable, so that was where this was going. He said this, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have, become faith, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. God is going to give you a level of responsibility in heaven that is commensurate with how faithful you were with the resources he gave you here on earth. If you are faithful with the giftings and talents he gave you here on earth, then he's going to give you more giftings and talents to use once you get to heaven. 
If you're faithful with the influence that he has given you here on earth, he's going to give you more influence once you get to heaven. If you are faithful with your possessions here on earth, because every single thing we have is a blessing from God and is a gift from God. So if we are faithful with those possessions, we're going to have more possessions when we get to heaven. Whatever you manage well here on earth, he's going to multiply up in heaven. This life is a test. It's, it's, it's pretty much a dress rehearsal. God wants to see how you handle things down here, and that will determine what you're going to be doing when you get to heaven. Now, let me just say this. God doesn't care how much you start with. So he doesn't care how much money or wealth or name recognition you have. He wants to see what you do with it, if it be a small amount or a huge amount. He's grading on a curve, right? Everyone is not going to be judged the same. If you have $1 in your bank account and you use that for God's kingdom, he will bless you for that. If you have a million dollars sitting in your bank account and you do nothing with it and you just sit on it, he will take that into consideration also. It doesn't matter what we have. If we are faithful in what we are given, he will be more faithful when we get to heaven. Come and share your master's happiness. So the question is, what will we do in heaven? We're going to be given work that we enjoy doing, and we're also going to be spending a lot of time being reunited with those who love Jesus. How is heaven different from earth? Chalk and cheese, I think, is the way you talk. It is going to be as opposite from what we are living in, in this world that we are in right now, because it is going to be a place of perfection. Which leads me back to where I started. What is heaven? Heaven is reserved for God's family. We have a uh, bunch of things out on the wall out there that say what Genesis is about. And one of those says that in this house, we do fun. And we do a lot of fun here at Genesis. We, we like to have a good time. I'm going to put that aside for a few minutes right now. Because here's the thing. We're not covering trivialities today. This isn't a choice of where you are going to go for brunch as soon as Charlotte stops talking. We are talking today about where you are going to spend forever. We're talking about your eternal destiny here. Forever. For those of us who have given our life to Christ, for those of us who have put our trust and our faith in him, we're betting that every word in here that Jesus says is the truth. If you have not yet put your faith and your hope in Jesus, then you're betting against that. The problem is that one of us is going to be wrong when we take our last breath. I would rather gamble on being wrong about Jesus than gamble that Jesus is wrong and close my eyes 
and find out he was saying exactly the truth. I don't want a single person to leave this room this morning, or if you're listening online, to turn off your computer without the absolute assurance that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. Who's going to be up in heaven? Revelation 21, it says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter it. The Lamb's book of life, of course, the Lamb refers to Jesus there. So how do we make sure that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life? Very easy. Jesus told us exactly how in John chapter 14 he said this. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today I beg you, make today the day that you settle where you are going to spend the rest of your time once you close your eyes for the last time here on earth. Are you going to spend time in heaven worshiping God? Or are you going to spend time in hell, which is separation from God? It's a place of eternal torment. It's a place where you will never be at peace. It is a place where you are going to be cut off from everything you love and everything you think you want to do. Is that what you're saying today? Let's bow our heads.